This is Rivers to Resilience. The podcast where we educate, inspire, motivate and transform you and your teams on your journey to emotional resilience. We hear stories and advice from leaders and experts, allowing you to harness their wisdom with transformational, evidence-based strategies to building emotional resilience. Join accredited cognitive behavioural psychotherapist and author Martina Witter as she deep dives into all aspects of resilience building, whilst also helping you to crush stress and improve and retain your performance, productivity and profits. That's here on Rivers to Resilience. I'm so excited to introduce to you all today's guest for Rivers to Resilience. We've got Dr. Jimenez, who is a clinical psychologist from the US. What I'm going to do now is just hand over to Dr. Jimenez, who will introduce herself to yourselves, and then we'll get the podcast started. Thank you for having me, Martina. So my name is Dr. Jimenez. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been uh, in the mental health field now for about 11 years I'm originally from the Caribbean, the Dominican Republic, and Mm -hmm. I am currently living in the West Coast area, raised in the East Coast of the United States. So a little bit more about my practice is that I specialize in trauma, Mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, also eating disorders, and identity with regards to individuals of color. I also practice yoga and other holistic modalities that I tend to integrate in my clinical practice. So I've done some trainings both in the U.S., the Caribbean, and also India for clinical and holistic work. So that's a little bit more about myself professionally. No, thank you. That's fantastic. And I'm I'm excited to have you on today's podcast. So we can explore, you know, holistic approaches to resilience. And I think sometimes it can be overlooked within, well, globally, really. So it's, I think it's really important for people from different backgrounds to acknowledge that there's different ways, different approaches that we can use to build in and bolstering resilience. So what I want to kind of ask you is, from your perspective as a clinical psychologist, how would you, yeah, how would you describe resilience? Yeah, so the way that I will describe resilience to me is passion and being a, having the passion, but to continue to move forward and persevere despite mm-hmm. adversity. Because in the human condition, we're always going to face stressors throughout our yeah. lives. But the key is how do we persevere through these stressors? Another concept that I really love that I have replaced um, resilience with is grit. Grit is passion plus perseverance, right? It's mm-hmm. having Let's say I I was always passionate about becoming a healthcare provider, in particular a psychologist, but there was a lot of adversities Mm -hmm. throughout that path. So, but because of the passion, it kept helping me persevere and able to move forward. So again, it's giving it your best effort, redoing it as many times as you can. And Mm -hmm. since being a little girl, I didn't know what resilient was, right? Um, uh, you're young and you don't know that concept and particularly being in the Caribbean where the word did not even exist. So I can't even think mm-hmm. about what would be the Spanish word <laughs> for it. But as a kid, what I would imagine myself as was like the Phoenix. Right. <laughs> so kind of like my, my little model of what I understood as resilience. I would mm-hmm. visualize myself like this big bird that is majestic, but then it falls apart and it's like crumbles to ashes. But despite mm-hmm. that, it will continue to rise mm-hmm. even greater. So that's how I always saw resilience. So when I moved to the U.S., at the age of 11. And I, I didn't realize that I was resilient Mm -hmm. until I'm studying psychology and you're learning about the concept of resiliency, which is about perseverance and passion and moving forward. And I, I identify myself as being that, but I think my earliest understanding of the concept was the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, So that's kind of how I paint it of we can crumble to ashes. Mm-hmm. how do we rise yeah that, that that is such a fantastic a fantastic kind of description and of resilience and I love how you liken it to to a phoenix and then I think just kind of imagery is so powerful mm-hmm. in helping us to understand 
concepts and then relating it to our, our life experiences. And like you said, we all face challenges. That's part of the human condition. We've got to embrace it, but it's about how do we navigate through that? How do we harness our passion to to build our, our resilience? And I just yes. wonder for you moving from the Dominican Republic to the US at, at 11 and then learning that or discovering that you were a resilient yeah, young person and, and mm. now adult. I just wonder what experiences maybe contributed towards you building re- resilience and how was it moving from one culture the Caribbean to the US because you know yeah. I've lived in the UK all of my life so if I'm being honest I couldn't imagine moving yeah. at such a young age and my mum was well both my parents were, were born in Jamaica and then came to the UK when they were young so I've heard my mum's experiences and my mum unfortunately she's passed away but she was always talking about Jamaica that's my land that's my country talking about her grandparents so I just she never let it go because that that was her and so I'd love to kind of hear about that from from your perspective I'm really intrigued by that yeah so I will say that the nature of my family dynamics kind of forced me to be resilient and I think the reason it was like embedded in my DNA it's again being from the Caribbean and coming from my grandparents who were farmers and having to have the resiliency to grow the land and go through like political changes on the island through colonization and and you know invasions of other of the US and all these things that were occurring I think within their DNA, it, that the resiliency is there for a lot of us, especially melanated and color folks. So mm-hmm. for me as a little girl, I had to move originally from the Dominican Republic to Puerto Rico, the island over, right. because that was like my family lived there. So it's like the path, Puerto Rico, then to the US. Right. So having to move and be a new girl, I think I was a new girl from sac- for second grade all the way until sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I would be the new girl in different systems and cultures, like mm-hmm. Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic are still the Caribbean, very similar. There's also differences and when you're an immigrant so for me I think I started to become resilient due to immigration having to be adaptable having to go from I only speak Spanish and I remember the idea of moving to the U.S. when I was in Puerto Rico was like daunting because I'm like Mm -hmm. I can do Puerto Rico I actually like this (laughs) because it's a very similar culture yeah now you want me to go to New York like and (laughs) learn English so I was I felt like I'm not gonna get it I'm not gonna learn it because mm. they would give us like little easy English classes and I'm like eh. um so for me the immigration having to immigrate and adapt that's what formed my resiliency and also um you know traumas the families have to endure mm-hmm. so I always been very intuitive and like healer early on so I I can always read a room very well so because mm-hmm. of that I was able to to be driven so naturally I will say personality wise mm-hmm. um we all have different temperaments so I think my temperament being and also social I believe in the psycho biopsychosocial model where biology mm-hmm. your psychology your temperament traumas and then the environment come together to mm-hmm. bring about illness or your personality so for me the biology genetics of of being from the Caribbean and of farming, then the psychology of having to endure immigration and trauma, and then my natural temperament of being resilient and also very achievement oriented mm-hmm. was what helped. And then socially being the oldest female, I'm the oldest child, so I'm the oldest female child in a Caribbean (laughs) household who often has lots of responsibilities, whether you like it or not, causes Mm -hmm. you to then become resilient, which is continue to persevere Mm -hmm. despite what's thrown at you. So that's how I think my journey with persevering has been. It started early Mm -hmm. by having to be the oldest daughter of immigrants. So Mm -hmm. So it was hard. I think your question about how was it to move? Moving from Puerto Rico wasn't so hard because I had family and it was a similar culture. Mm-hmm. But then um, moving to the U.S. was like a culture shock, especially New York. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to New York. Um, no, so, I haven't. I do um, want to go there. But yeah. It's the kind of like then I'm the close. I've never been to England either. But what I can imagine is very similar to like a big city like London, where mm-hmm. you have skyscrapers, lots of movement. People yeah. are individualistic. Whereas <laughs> I'm coming from a the Caribbean, where you know your neighbors, community, ah, um, right. everything. You are you feel safe, or as in the in New York, I was moving into an apartment. So moving from a house yeah. with trees and mangoes and all to a an apartment dwelling to then not being able to even go outside because it's so unsafe. We mm-hmm. moved to the Bronx. And, and yeah. this is the 90, 90s, early 90s. So you're dealing with a lot of inner city crime and substance. Mm-hmm. So for me as a kid, I felt trapped. Um of being in an environment like that we later moved to philadelphia to mm-hmm. a home although philly is a big city it's not as busy as new york so right. philadelphia mm-hmm. became like a happy medium and i remember in sixth grade when my parents were entertaining the idea of moving back to dominican republic i said well if you move back leave me in foster care <laughs> Again. <laughs> I was done moving as yeah. uh, in sixth grade after moving so much. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. done. I like the Caribbean, but you guys gonna pick a place. So that yeah. again, that's being resilient too of mm. having the courage to speak to your although my parents were really not great. My parents have really, especially my mom who was in the healthcare field, she has a very good emotional intelligence. So mm-hmm. she knew how difficult the back and forth was. Yeah. So I told her I need in sixth grade, I'm I don't know, I might have been 12. I think me saying, hey, this is my need. I need stability I need Mm -hmm. to stay in one place and I think that also when you're resilient you also have to learn to use your voice it's not just that you keep getting knocked out and Mm -hmm. you have to get up no you have to know like but what is my need Mm. Um, so that's that was thankfully we stood in they're still in Philadelphia to this day but naturally now I'm the one that continues to move so right that's interesting childhood shapes you <laughs> yes <laughs> I hated it but mm-hmm. that was a beautiful thing though about moving a lot everything that I hated as a child like that was difficult became an asset as an adult like so mm-hmm. for me being able to be a, a cultural chameleon and adaptable was mm-hmm. really helpful for me when it came to moving for education mm-hmm. and also moving for career. And mm-hmm. also as a psychologist is an asset, like I can go from talking to somebody that's homeless to somebody that's a millionaire and mm-hmm. from different cultures. So, and also being bilingual and being very versed in cultures has mm-hmm. been an extremely great asset. And my own identity of being from the Caribbean, like I'm able to connect with African-Americans, other Blacks in the diaspora, the indigenous people mm-hmm. and all this and other people of color. So and white. So for me, I think everything that the little girl didn't like mm-hmm. made me super resilient and mm-hmm. made me really like a good healer because mm-hmm. I can understand people's worldviews just yeah. because minds change so much mm-hmm. so, but and the final stage is you rooting your identity of how you are kind of like you said like your mom is always Jamaican you know she was very proud for me I still my Caribbean identity is the one that I it's very solidified you know mm-hmm. I mean, and moving back and forth you're never consider enough you're always like you're not Dominican enough you're not mm-hmm. Puerto Rican enough you're not yeah. black enough mm-hmm. you're not you um American enough so yeah it was an age where I just said you know what I don't fit the most so why mm-hmm. am I going to fit in this very boring box when I am <laughs> not a box I am yes. full of diversity and resilience mm-hmm. and power so now I define myself as an Afro-Indigenous woman, and mm-hmm. I don't allow people trying to put me in a box because mm-hmm. I, I know what I am mm-hmm. based on all these experiences. So. Yeah. No, I, I love how, how you yeah, summarized your, yeah. your journey of resilience. And what I hear is self-acceptance. Yes. Ownership. And then thinking about the rivers to resilience model, self-awareness. You, mm-hmm. you, you understand yourself. You understand your life experiences. Yeah. You understand 
I guess in terms of when your parents were thinking about moving back to the Dominican or Puerto Rico, well, you told them that that's not what you wanted. So you were assertive and I guess you were able to understand the implications of that Mm -hmm. as well. And, And you've leveraged all of those experiences and found advantage in adversity and you've not allowed anyone to to put you in a box and I think that's so important and that's a skill that everyone needs in life because we're always placed in different different environments which require different yeah it, it can require different aspects of us to be more visible but essentially it's important that that our kind of core identity is intact so we don't lose ourselves and I think in life you can lose yourself a, a, along the, the journey if you don't have time with yourself to understand who you actually are so I, I love how you've um, shared that and a lot of what a lot of what you've you've shared in that journey really resonated yeah. with me and I know it will resonate with the with the audience as well so how how have you been able to apply this in your professional life as a clinical psychologist and, and would you say has it helped to yeah, has it helped to contribute towards your towards your your, your success? Because you shared a little bit about the journey of being a clinical psychologist, you know, having to learn English at 11. I mean, th- th- that is, must have been very demanding. Yeah. Yeah. So so if for the question of how was the journey, how has that helped me as a psychologist? I think that the way it has helped me is that I have more of a holistic. That's why I associate more with holistic models and indigenous and, and African healing modalities, although mm-hmm. what I was taught was Western psychology. Like I was taught Western psychology, like many of us do, whether we study in England or the United States. Mm-hmm. So for me, having to shift my identity so much and be so resilient, what it helped me early on was what are really my roots. Having been in the United States helped me realize that a lot of the things you learn in the Caribbean, and particularly with race, was wrong, right? It was being taught from a model of colonization Mm -hmm. and having to face discrimination, although it was hurtful and hard as a child and as a young young adult in my 20s. -hmm. It became very empowering as I was getting my professional identity because By me having done my own self-study outside of Western education models, it was like I was reteaching myself Mm -hmm. how I was reteaching myself healing modalities that are um, neglected in the Mm -hmm. Western psychology and Western medical model. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my resiliency and immigration story and also me, again, my personality of being rooted in my ancestry helped so when it came to my career as a psychologist, a lot of the adversities was coming from a school district in Philadelphia. When you were living in an area that was predominantly Black or Latino, mm-hmm. the school districts in the U.S., I don't know about England, um, the U.K., they tend to be more marginalized. So I'm right. coming from a school district of Philadelphia, which it's not one of the, it wasn't a good school system. I went to a magnet school. Because my neighborhood schools, the way that they are structured is the neighborhood schools are, you know, they don't enrich a, a child's mind. So my, right. I was very thankful that when I moved to the U.S., I also had mentors. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't look for them. They found me. I guess they were able to see yeah. this girl who wanted to learn. And, and I, I and usually was African-American teachers who mm-hmm. um, were very assertive. I wasn't used to that level of assertiveness right Dominicans and Puerto Ricans they mother like your mother like really mothers you oh but I that's was, interesting I wasn't used to tough love <laughs> I mean, why is she so mean to me like yeah but it was because she really wanted me to learn this was my ESOL teacher mm-hmm. that taught me that was teaching us English I'm like why is she so but I didn't realize that one of the things that I I didn't know how systemic oppression worked, but they did because they Mm -hmm. were raised in the U.S. Um, Early on when I moved to the U.S., they wanted to put me and my sister in special education. 
because we failed a standardized right. test. So imagine coming, you're just a new immigrant kid and mm-hmm. you're giving a standardized test in English when your primary language is in Spanish. We didn't even know we failed this test. So mm. this teacher fought for us that she mm-hmm. was like, how, why would you want to place them in special education when you don't know their achievement, their, their IQ, mm-hmm. because they speak another language, yes. you know, this tool so because of that teacher again my whole life trajectory changed because Mm. I would have if you would have been placed in special education what does that and you are you're actually gifted Mm. what does that do to your self-esteem what does Mm -hmm. that do to your mind so this that was my earliest I didn't even know I had fought that battle of Mm -hmm. she fought that battle for me and my sister in the Mm. background and I thank her, this teacher, and because of her, we were not put in special education. Seven mm-hmm. months later, me and my sister learned English, so we picked it up quickly. Right. We were immersed in, in that environment. In Philadelphia, like in New York, you had bilingual programs. Half of the day would be in Spanish, right. half in English, because there was such a large Latino population. Mm-hmm. At there, but in Philadelphia at this time, late 90s, there wasn't a big, the district that I was in was not Latino. Mm-hmm. So I had to immerse, and I think it actually, because I, I had to immerse. So that was my bat, uh, my first battle. So this teacher tells me like, hey, like, I want you to go to this school. She, she listed the school and said, I want you to go to this school. And that's what I did. I, I followed through and I went there. I didn't realize she told me that because this school was a magnet school that would be more enriching for me. Mm-hmm. But when you compare that high school that I went to, to the schools in the suburbs mm-hmm. that are mainly predominantly white and affluent, they still don't compare, still... Mm-hmm. But it was better. So for me, going into become a psychologist, I had to overcome the poor education systems that mm-hmm. that are in the inner city mm-hmm. or in areas that are predominantly Black and Latino. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest hurdle to mm-hmm. my career path because going into college, I had super great grades. I was involved in a lot of things. Again, mm-hmm. grit and perseverance, knowing mm-hmm. what time to get home you had to catch the subway and right. public transportation and knowing like oh I need to be home at this time because in this bus stop although that's not my neighborhood drug dealers come out you know so as a child right. yeah you have to especially being a city kid you have to navigate your environment like mm-hmm. you need to know how to maintain your safety so when it came to going to college although despite my great achievement standardized testing again which is a hurdle. Um, I did great, but not as good as I could had I been trained like in a school system that actually nourished that. So going mm-hmm. into college, I had to overcome that th- these hurdles of systemic oppression. I don't know mm-hmm. the name of that at that age because mm-hmm. I'm still... I went into, I started applying for college at 16 because in the Dominican Republic, you go to school based on your IQ and achievement, not right. your Okay, right. So I started school early and that was, you know, in the, so for me having to go into college, I had to apply for it by myself. I mm-hmm. had to figure it out, financial aid. Mm-hmm. I had to ask my mom, hey, what's your income? So, mm-hmm. and again, that's resiliency of me knowing, well, I know my mom can pay all this money. So although I want to go to this school, let me go to this one that is reasonably priced Mm -hmm. um, so that she can pay and I can take out loans. So this is a 16 year old Mm -hmm. (laughs) doing these math and analysis in her brain. So that talks about the resiliency of my personality Mm -hmm. without knowing that I'm also battling systemic oppression. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's how I get into college. I do great. Still had a struggle with some classes, math, because of the type of math I was given in mm-hmm. the high school level. But I was able to overcome all these hurdles of systemic oppression. But the way that it works in my career is that I'm able to empathize with mm. my patients and my clients because I do know how things, intersectionalities come about to cause illness such Mm -hmm. as PTSD such as eating disorders so for me having 
experience what I did growing up, it, my mind is more holistic. So that's why I just don't focus on this theory. I kind of in, do the whole person. Like mm-hmm. my model, I tend to treat people from the mind, body, soul perspective. Mm-hmm. And being and when I say so, it's what does that mean to the client? I'm mm-hmm. respectful of the person's culture. Mm-hmm. And I always try to also connect them with their inner selves. Mm-hmm. So that's why the grit, that's why I like the term grit. I always been passionate about healing mm-hmm. since a little girl. That's why I went into being a psychologist because in the yeah. Caribbean, people hide things under the rug and you just see the chill. <laughs> we think about Jamaica, we think about, oh, it's Rastas and, yeah. you know, and calmness and ganja, but then we don't know all the trauma mm-hmm. and, and especially generational trauma that is there um, mm-hmm. so I kind of wanted to be that person since I was a little girl I didn't know the name again I just mm-hmm. didn't want to be that so when I moved to the U.S. and I know what a psychologist is I was like oh that's what I want to be I want right. to be a psychologist particularly for people from marginalized communities so that mm-hmm. I can be that person for them so me having not everybody knows their passion early on so for me knowing my passion at nine mm-hmm. and again the perseverance to sticking to my plan it was that's how I've been able to succeed as a psychologist mm-hmm. and that's why I you know graduated early from getting my doctorates and and now I've been in the field for like 13 over 13 years mm-hmm. um but it was because I stuck to my passion and my plan mm-hmm. and I had to listen to people say well psychologists don't make that much money um they don't and I just said oh well I'll make it work mm-hmm. but I now right I tell people no I'm not if you become a psychologist you're not starving like there's a lot of ways that you can live well and still be a healer and with patients and clients my identity and my resilience help me connect with the human that's Mm -hmm. in front of me not Mm -hmm. a diagnosis not arbitrary things it's Mm -hmm. like okay who are you Mm -hmm. and once I get to know the person I see what's happening to them holistically it's Mm -hmm. not just oh well you got PTSD no you were come from a a low socioeconomic status went off to do war or ha- came from an inner city environment when you witness family and friends get shot mm-hmm. that and now who wouldn't have trauma mm-hmm. if you have experienced these experiences mm-hmm. and I'm able to tell them PTSD you know just tells you that what you endured was difficult mm-hmm. it means that you're a human yeah because right? who can go through trauma and still come out shining mm-hmm. where we're gonna be so that's why how my resiliency and my background helped my career mm-hmm. because I've been able to succeed in it because of the passion I have mm-hmm. and being able to get up when you get smacked in the face by things that you may not even know. And then later on, you do have language. Like I have mm-hmm. the language to say systemic oppression. Mm-hmm. I have the language to say these standardized testing sometimes can be discriminatory to certain marginalized groups and particularly people of color. Mm-hmm. So, and then me becoming a psychologist who then now does testing, who now diagnoses, who now I know the power on how that can be beneficial or mm-hmm. how that can be detrimental mm-hmm. to someone. So, and I come from the perspective of like, I'm not just going to take this at face value. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to read the research and say, well, you know what? This test hasn't been standardized mm-hmm. on this population. Yeah. So I'm going to be very conservative when I make my diagnoses or assessments because mm-hmm. we don't really have a measurement for mm-hmm. them. So that's yeah. how it's been able to to kind of combine with the type of work that I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you've shared and highlighted that because it, it, it helps us to kind of realise that it's important in all industries and fields for there to be diversity because if there aren't diverse individuals who understand the experiences of the population, people or um, employees that, that you're working with, then that that can kind of prevent change from happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that that you share that, and also about the fact that you had a mentor 
That makes me think about a role model as well. Someone who's rooting for you, someone who allows you to acknowledge that, yes, you can you can become whatever you want to become. There's no limits and, and, and there's no boundaries. And having all of that and then that clarity of vision and purpose that you had in terms of being a healer and then realizing that it was a clinical psychologist, I can see how they've all been the kind of ingredients for you in in succeeding in, in your career and profession and creating your own career path that's what I'm hearing and I think it's it's fantastic you didn't allow the system or other factors to kind of prevent you from pursuing what what was what you were passionate about Mm -hmm. and you yeah you've successfully navigated it hopefully and I'm sure it is that's creating a lot of hope for other people of color in acknowledging that they can become what they want to become they can be a success and we all need to we all need to see someone who who looks like us or who understands our experiences that inclusion is 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 so key and from what you've shared it just sounds like your whole life has been a journey of resilience essentially (laughs) I think that's the but I think that's um, when I I don't know how things are in the UK but I think that's how it is for a lot of you know individuals who come from certain marginalized communities and I or or even who are melanated that Mm -hmm. living in a culture that is not fully your own and there's Mm -hmm. systems put in place that life does become a journey and mm-hmm. I can see easily why somebody might take another path because mm-hmm. not everybody has the privilege of having mentors like yes. I did or parents that are, although they don't understand what systemic oppression is, they're still giving you support, meaning sometimes emotional. They may not give you mm-hmm. financial, mm-hmm. but they're giving you emotional support. And some people don't have mentors. Some people do not have parents that are somewhat loving to them mm-hmm. and also feel calm or have the you know the aptitude to achieve certain things and that's why I'm always um I I see the importance of mentorship also the importance of doing trauma healing because if mm-hmm. we if we're able to intervene early then we can have parents that are emotionally available or yeah that is whole there so I think it takes a village like the saying goes and I don't know where I would have been if although I might have had the intelligence and the passion mm-hmm. where I would have been if I didn't have these mentors mm-hmm. who saw something in me and mm-hmm. said let me help you to make the path easier mm-hmm. because I'm I'm sure that teachers did this because they saw they also endure that because I see mm-hmm. myself doing the same yeah, it's because I know I know the struggle. Yeah, yeah. And you just want to buff, buffer. Um, you're still gonna fall, but we can put more pads. Yes, so the yeah. Fall is not so bad. Mm-hmm. So I think, and that's like um, when you talk about the your the the model that you guys use, social connection. Mm-hmm. is so important, and mm-hmm. even sometimes when one immigrates, you might lose your community. Mm-hmm. But it's how can we build community and now something beautiful it's like social media or the internet like it can be detrimental but how can we use it for Mm -hmm. positive right we may not have access to things and we can listen to podcasts to upgrade Mm -hmm. our mind we can follow individuals who we admire and can strive to and people being more authentic too in these platforms so they Mm -hmm. can know like oh I am not just this beautiful picture yeah (laughs) you know there there's been a lot of um, resiliency and again the phoenix of crumbling to ashes and getting here Mm -hmm. so I think the more authentic we can be with people the better and transparent so that they know like oh look at that she became a psychologist I can do it yes Mm -hmm. you can do it but let me tell you about some hurdles that you might face along the way Mm -hmm. so that you're better prepared Mm-hmm. to handle that um because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't want to paint a false picture for people I always tell yeah. them well in the U.S. I'm like well it takes a lot of student debt but um, <laughs> yeah just know that there's these other careers where you may that are similar where you may not acquire you may not have so much debt or mm-hmm. hey maybe you want to take a, a a year in between your bachelor's to your doctorate and pay off some things, you know, mm-hmm. so that, so it's important for us to also talk about the struggle 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just the, the 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 glitter. Yeah, so they can yeah. Have a realistic perspective, so that they can become more resilient and more perseverant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you know, like, okay, yeah, I need to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we do. It's important to count count the cost before you commit to something, and I get that in itself can help you to kind of build and grow those resilience muscles. So when you are faced with adversity challenges, you're already prepared for it mentally. You're already armed with some tools and strategies, and you exactly. can draw upon what's maybe you know what's maybe happened in the past challenges and difficulties and I guess to remind yourself that well if I did if I overcame that well of, of course I can overcome what's 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 in front of me but yeah as, as you shared that community having the, the role models and you know your parents encouraging you and having that 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 emotional support is sounds like it was critical in in helping you to to succeed and I love how you shared about that the journey regarding I guess delivering and sharing those holistic therapies and how um, I can't say systemic racism it wasn't systemic racism that you said it was um, systemic um, oppression how all of those being aware of all of those how that's shaped you and allowed you to yeah to be resilient and to rise as a phoenix and, yeah. and, and to succeed so for everyone that's listening I hope you're taking notes and I hope that um yeah that, that you're thinking about how you can apply this to your experiences current experiences or or future experiences because in life we are guaranteed challenges we're guaranteed tough times you know everyone's going to lose for example a family member that's just yeah that's factual so my mindset is it, we've got to embrace challenges and, and adversity and and not be surprised by it because if we if we are surprised that can prevent us from successfully navigating through it. and if we stay in that that state for too long and, and if it's if it's prolonged but what I'd like you to share a, a bit more about Dr Jimenez is about some of the holistic therapies and approaches that, that you use personally and also professionally with your clients and how they can boost someone's resilience. Yes so some of the holistic therapies that I tend to utilize one of my all-time favorite and I always start there is mindfulness mm-hmm. and meditation the reason why that's always a pillar is because mindfulness is simply how do we ground ourselves in the here and the now mm-hmm. with awareness and non-judgment and compassion mm-hmm. so and it's easy all of us can do it all of us have five minutes to stop and take a deep breathe and mm-hmm. and because a lot of the times in our in this busy world that we live in, we're always doing, but we mm. don't pause to see what's happening within. And mm-hmm. as you sit with yourself, you're able to develop awareness of what's happening within. So meditation is one. Another one outside of Western psychology, the typical CBT, mm-hmm. um, another model that I use is ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I like acceptance and commitment therapy is because it connects you with your values, right? Mm-hmm. What are your values? And yeah. your values becoming what dictates, it's like your compass in life. Like, where are you going? Yes. So I'm not going to be stressing about everything about work if my number one value is health. What boundaries do I need to put in place so that my health remains number one? Mm-hmm. If that's my value, so that work won't take all that energy from me and bring bring about Mm -hmm. illness so act and also something overall it's kind of a holistic model that looks into what are what are what are the symptoms that the person is presenting but whether it's physical or psychological and what's the root of that Mm. right um so the root a lot of the time tends to be connected to trauma that has not Mm -hmm. been healed Mm -hmm. and also lifestyles and habits Mm-hmm. So how can we, what are some lifestyles and habits that can be modified to help the person connect with their values? Mm-hmm. Just because some people might say, oh, I value my health, but how consistent are you being with that? Mm-hmm. So then when you look at it, you may not be as consistent because you're, a lot of the times we're very good at self-sabotaging ourselves. Mm-hmm. So a holistic model is looking at the big umbrella of okay what are, what is it the person is presenting with and where is the imba- the unbalance mm-hmm. holistic model is all about the way that i see health is basically that there will the person there's an imbalance in the person's life 
Mm. And then we have to get to the root of why is there an imbalance? And Mm -hmm. once we get to that root, then we know better how to intervene, Mm -hmm. whether it's through therapy, whether it is using some some people might need medications, others might utilize herbal plant medicines. from the Caribbean and there's things that although my mom was training as a medical professional she always treated us holistically and herbally first Mm -hmm. and if that doesn't work then we bring in western medicine so that's kind of how I am of if somebody's coming in they're telling me they're anxious I want to know okay What's the root of that anxiety? Mm -hmm. Where's that imbalance? Mm -hmm. And then I also look at their lifestyle to see how that may be contributing. Well, if you're already having intrusive thoughts about catastrophizing about the future, and then your ritual for the morning is pulling out your cell phone and looking through the news or going through social media and seeing the headlines, Mm -hmm. your mind is already starting stimulated. Mm -hmm. So then you go in and you quickly grab a mug of coffee, lots of coffee with sugar and Mm. all these things. Now you're adding a stimulant to an already Mm -hmm. stimulated brain. Yeah. And then we rush and get ready rushing. And then we arrive to work and we get mad. And we have an unhealthy meal for lunch. So mm-hmm. all that interconnectedly is impacting the, the person's anxiety that mm-hmm. might have been rooted in childhood from mm-hmm. having dealt with trauma. So we then see the person from that whole perspective. And then we can ask, what are some goals that you can do? What is it? We start small, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to say, well, let's cut all that out. No. What is a smart goal that you can commit to that you can achieve? Okay, I'm going to decrease my coffee intake three versus three cups to two cups. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So that's kind of, and then we try to find balance again. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people we have to be willing to do the work because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much expertise I might have or knowledge. It, the work is done by the individual. Mm-hmm. I am a facilitator. I am yeah. not you're the expert of your life. I'm just mm-hmm. a facilitator guiding you through your journey. Mm-hmm. But you must be willing to do the work. Sometimes people want to get better, whether it's they want to improve their mind, they want to overcome trauma, or they want to overcome illness or be happier. But mm-hmm. the, is the work is your lifestyle and work aligning? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, we have to do that shadow work, right? We have mm-hmm. to say to ourselves, well you know what, I need to do better in this area, like Mm -hmm. myself included. I have this ritual now when the first thing I do is go meditate for five minutes Mm -hmm. before I even touch my phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because again, living in the West Coast, the world is already so ahead time-wise. Ah, right. Yeah. (laughs) You may be waking up and the world is going bananas. Yes. So as 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 being in a time zone that is behind what people are at, I I realized I had to start my day like in a slower pace. So Mm. through holistic models, it's holistic medicine means the whole. Mm -hmm. The 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 whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yes. Yeah. You know, so so that's how way I come in and I am more my style is getting to the root. Of the problem. Yeah. And and whoever wants to go to the root, that's who tends to be a good match when for me working on because I see I see things holistically. Mm -hmm. But I also do acknowledge that people are where they are at. Mm -hmm. We also have to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and say, am I really ready to do this work? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Sometimes the work hurts more than the it's, actual wounds. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree, and and it also links with, I guess, people, individuals having to be responsible for where they are in in life. And I love how you you shared that. You know, you're a facilitator of healing or bringing about change. So whoever you're working with needs to be committed, constant, consistently committed to that. Um, to that process for, for the change to occur and I guess that makes me think about the about resilience that you've got to be intentional resilience doesn't just happen we can all face challenges but will we rise to the challenge will we embrace it and learn through that journey 
or will we resist, retreat, procrastinate, avoid, exactly. and not learn? Because, you know, it makes me think about COVID. We're, we've all gone through that and we're still mm-hmm. in it. Some people have unfortunately lost loved ones or friends, family members. And we, we, we're all in, we're, we're all kind of in this trauma or we're all in, in a boat, a challenge. But, but our boats are different and it's understanding how we can navigate through those situations. And we've got to be self-aware in order for us to to do that and to know what tools we we're going to use and I love that you've shared there's lots of different approaches you know holistic approaches is yeah looking at the um the soul the body and the mind and that really sits well with me because that's the approach that I take in my therapy and I focus on who am I who, who is in front of me some people are more open to holistic therapies other people are not and and that's okay but it's just giving that individual space to be themselves and to just offload (laughs) and if that involves talking about cultural factors racism or if it involves talking about workplace stress then then that's that is okay it it, it is okay we've got to take an inclusive inclusive approach to resilience as well and that's why in our model we include spirituality it's so key how can we try and help someone to be resilient when we ignore one major aspect of their lives is that actually going to help them in the long term yeah and the and you know like you said like the the spiritual component is very important that's why when the holistic models that i use also it's mind body soul mm-hmm. and it's figure it out what does that so when i ask my clients about soul and spirituality i ask them what does that mean to you mm-hmm. you know and there's various definitions of that but that's a very important concepts especially mm-hmm. if that's important for the person yeah because one of what the research shows is that it helps with hope and and resiliency right if we have mm-hmm. hope there's resiliency if we the the number one detrimental thing is feeling helpless helplessness yeah. mm-hmm. but if you believe there's something out there higher than yourself that is assisting you through that process mm-hmm. that is highly beneficial I have some clients that are suicidal, but they would not do it because of their spirituality and Mm -hmm. the way that they view life. And that becomes an an advantage in therapy. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there are some individuals that they might be atheist or agnostic, Mm -hmm. but the way that we might conceptualize the spirit is your higher self, Mm -hmm. right? So they're still able, when, when we disconnect from, the way I see it is your higher self, mm-hmm. however you want to define it, that of course we're going to have hopelessness or despair because mm-hmm. we we're not connected with that. And um, I think you were talking about what has happened in the last two years with the pandemic. Um, something that I was really against early on was the, and still happening, the fear. I don't know about the UK, but in the US is fear, fear, fear. Like we moved on like, oh, now fear this war. Now fear this, fear your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And all of that is really dysregulating mm-hmm. our central nervous system is putting us constantly in fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. And if we're how resilient can we be if our basic systems of our body are being burned out? Mm -hmm. So we need to be have the and in your model, the emotional awareness and regulation to know, okay, I know this is out there, but Mm -hmm. what do I need to do higher self so that Mm -hmm. my higher self can I can be in alignment with my higher self and not Mm -hmm. fear? Mm -hmm. Because we're living in a society that even if you live in a farm in the middle of the mountain if you mm-hmm. turn on your phone you get fear thrown at your yes. face if you're not mindful about it mm-hmm. so we need to know like okay what what does my higher self want me to do mm-hmm. whether that is yourself or whether that's a deity or mm-hmm. or god or or nature whatever we want mm-hmm. to call it or me like my you know and that's how can we align to that that's where mm. spirit is important. How can I align to my definition of spirit and higher? Mm-hmm. Because we're living in a society. I say that. I don't know. Again, I don't know about your side of the world, but in my side, US and you know, Latin America is the fear that's being put in place. The and that constantly is gonna keep us in survival mode. Yeah. And if we're in survival mode, we cannot reach self-actualization because mm-hmm. we're always 
running on survival. So mm. we need to know what do I need personally, because it looks different for everyone, because we're all unique, mm-hmm. even if we belong to the same race or the same socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. we're all different. Yes. What do I need mm-hmm. to regulate? What do I need to connect with my higher self? Mm-hmm. And then putting boundaries in place so that that can occur. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have boundaries in place, then we're going to let like you said earlier, we're a ship. We're, it's like we're in a boat together. But mm-hmm. if we don't put boundaries, then the water comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can we allow the water not to come into our boats? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, like you were sharing earlier about um, values and acts, it all aligns with that as well, doesn't it? Knowing what what is important to you and what boundaries do you need to in- enforce? Because for one person, it, it might be that they maybe minimize how much time they that they're spending. Well, maybe on social media or with friends and family and maybe using that time to invest in themselves and to build their resilience. And we've got to do the work. There's inner work that we've got to do as individuals. And I know sometimes some people don't want to to do it, but but to get the to be most, yeah, to to get the results that you want and that kind of productivity, you've got to set aside aside that time. And I know for me personally, I'm on my my healthy and my weight loss journey. And I I know that I am responsible for my physical health. Yes, there's um, medical professionals out there Mm -hmm. who can help your coaches and whatever, but you've got to make that decision. And it's the same with resilience. If you want to build it, you have got to decide that, I am going to build my resilience muscles. I'm going to kind of manage the challenges or stresses that, you know, that, 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 that um, an individual might be facing. So I wonder for yourself, Dr. Jimenez, just going back to, well, thinking about your childhood and your experiences, if you could have a conversation with your younger self, what would you say to them based upon all, yeah, all that you've kind of learned in life yeah. and where you are now? Yeah, I would tell her that to continue to be who she was right that she was right from the get-go right meaning Mm -hmm. that the gifts that she learned to hide were actually her biggest asset meaning like her intuition her reading her energy and her connection with nature Mm -hmm. that to really continue to be authentic in who she is and not let the world try to mold her mm-hmm. so that's what I will tell her like keep being you mm-hmm. regardless of what comes your way be okay with learning mm-hmm. we all can learn but your essence is all right meaning mm-hmm. the essence of healing the essence of boundaries the essence mm-hmm. of intuition and but also being mindful of her environment, all mm-hmm. that was okay. I think what happens with children is we have this innate nature that is so compassionate, so loving, so mm-hmm. aligned. We don't come out of the womb being discriminatory. We don't come out of the womb with with, with tra- certain traumas or things, you know. It's along the way that society wants us to be programmed. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would tell people is, who were you? Like, mm-hmm. what is that your essence? That's, mm-hmm. that's, your, that's the spiritual part. Mm-hmm. What is your essence? And mm-hmm. how can you align with your essence? Mm-hmm. So I would tell the little girl, man, that essence was right on the dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let's continue that um, because I have it. I'm regaining it now mm-hmm. because of, again, all the shaping and adjustments that you have to do to your environment. But then the original structure and essence was put in place. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always love to do inner child work mm-hmm. with clients as part of, I don't know, I don't care if I'm doing a structure protocol for trauma, like yeah. <laughs> P or PE. I mm-hmm. always incorporate holistic healing, especially connecting to your inner child. Mm-hmm. What did that inner child need? And mm. how can you give it to yourself now? Mm-hmm. Like maybe your parents were not emotionally available, but how can you become emotionally available to yourself? Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't have structure as a kid. Now, how do you give yourself structure or the opposite? Your parents were overly structured. Now you need mm-hmm. freedom and yeah. And enjoying yourself. So that's what I would tell my inner child to continue to be her and mm-hmm. not let the world 
tell her who she is because mm-hmm. she knows those things that I did that people thought like, oh my God, that's so wrong. And then now as I get older and like how the culture is shifting, I was like, I was just setting a boundary. Mm-hmm. I was just simply like, for example, in the Caribbean, it's communal. Mm-hmm. If somebody's coming to kiss you, you don't know this stranger. As a five-year-old, four-year-old <laughs> I will bite them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like a family joke. That <laughs> and they were like, no. So, you know, the culture teaches you of like, no, that's not proper. This is your mother's. But me thinking about it now as a psychologist, what that child was doing was saying, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting a boundary in yeah. place. So mm-hmm. sometimes we shut children's voice or like, for example, coming to the U.S. system where you have to sit in a chair in school for eight hours mm-hmm. and you have to ask for permission to use the bathroom. And if you use the bathroom too much, it's you get in trouble. But as children, like you see how we're teaching kids early on to suppress their most basic biological need mm-hmm. of I need this authority figure to tell me when I need to use a bathroom, mm. although my bladder is letting me know I gotta go <laughs> yes. right now, right? And if I do it too much, it's a problem. So that's why inner child work is important because mm-hmm. what psychology says is that by age seven, we already have internalized the programming of our family and our culture and mm. environment, and we'll start to lose our identity. Mm-hmm. At seven, it's already done. Mm-hmm. You inserted the the, the software mm-hmm. of your community. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone like me that that moved so many times, you're putting softwares in and out, but what's really your software? Mm-hmm. And that's what therapy is about for me. How can we create, okay, that helped you survive. It's mm-hmm. out, it might be outdated. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's the programming that you want to do for yourself mm-hmm. now based mm-hmm. on your values, mm-hmm. what society has told you to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've all got to do that inner child work. And that may involve seeing a psychologist, a, a, you know, a specialist or, or an expert. And essentially question that you're kind of encouraging us all to kind of reflect on and think about is what is our essence and, and being mm-hmm. able to connect with that and leveraging that to build our yeah our resilience and as I'm sat here I'm just just, lots of questions kind of going through my mind and I guess throughout this podcast I've been learning as well in terms of what what you've shared and thinking about well what do I just need to do for me on a personal level to continue to build my resilience and to develop because we should always be aspiring to develop and and to grow we don't want to um, stagnate and there's always opportunities around us but sometimes if we're so stressed out we, we can't see those opportunities and we may see them as, as threats rather than opportunities for, mm-hmm. for growth. But are there any, before we end, any final words that you want to share with the audience and also how can people connect with you? Yeah, no, I think, thank you so much for having me and inviting me. I think really with sitting with self and asking yourself, what, what is it that I want and what, and not even want, what do I need? Because mm-hmm. once it's very different, but what do I really need? What does my mind, body, and soul need? Mm-hmm. And how can I s- start working towards that? And like you said, we're always growing, but we also need to remember that we're good just like we are, right? Yes. We, we are re- that self-love and self-compassion is so important to know that, you know what? I love who I am right now, Mm -hmm. but you know what? I could do better in this area without Mm -hmm. bashing ourselves. So sometimes I see people wanting to make change and and bash the the person they are, but no, you did those things out of survival, Mm -hmm. out of lack of knowledge, many factors, but the importance is how do I, because I love me, Mm -hmm. what work do I need to do or not do? Um, Mm -hmm. There's a page um, there's something that I've been following for a page for two years that is about rest as a resistance mm-hmm. <laughs> and particularly for melanated folks, because we never, right. know, not, we never rested. <laughs> We're always yes. in labor. Yeah. So I am intentional about resting. Mm-hmm. I, my social this weekend, uh, I'm very, I'm an ambivert. I have a lot of socialization to do, mm-hmm. but I already blocked the next two weeks so that 
on the weekends that all I have to do is go in nature and mm-hmm. my garden because mm-hmm. I know that I need to decompress and rest yeah. because in psychologists we are working with a lot of energy mm-hmm. and a lot of people and as a healer and as a, someone that's very intuitive and spiritually aligned I'm I am learning that it's okay to rest it's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be loving and compassionate to yourself mm-hmm. and your yeah. inner child. Mm-hmm. So that would be my my last statement of re- you are enough already mm-hmm. and to be compassionate with self, but always aligning with your essence and your higher self. Because the day that we die is the day that we stop learning. Mm-hmm. I have clients who are like, they're in their 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And they're coming into it. And I'm so proud of them because yeah. their generation mm-hmm. never would have done something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, where can people find me? They, um, you can find me on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, as Dr. J underscore empowers. Mm-hmm. And that is the best method to, to reach me. Okay, no, that's great. And thank you for joining us on today's podcast. It's been such a, a pleasure um, having you here and learning from you and sharing about your your experience of resilience and um, holistic approaches to building Thank that. You. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Rivers to Resilience. To keep up to date, connect with us online at www.rafatherapyservices.com and on all social media platforms. It's your time to be revived, restored and refocused.